Welcome to the Birth Library. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Georgie and I'm very excited this week to announce that we are now on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn as well as our original SoundCloud platform. During this session I chat with Amber and Amber had a beautiful pregnancy with her son Remy. She found out Remy was in breach at 34 weeks and had a successful ECV at 37 weeks. Amber went on to have a water vaginal birth in Newcastle and she just chats so openly about her struggles with breastfeeding. This is a really touching depiction of the fine line of vulnerability and empowerment that we can all walk as new mothers and I love the way that the themes of knowing and trusting were weaved throughout this beautiful tale. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me, Amber. No worries. Could you please tell us a little about yourself and who is in your family and where you live? Sure. I am a graphic designer. Recently moved up to Newcastle and I live there with my husband, Simon, and our new baby, Remy. Remy is so gorgeous and something that I noticed when Remy was born was how much he looked like Simo. And his face has just morphed so much recently. And something that's really interesting is biologically when babies are born, they look more like their father. Even now, um, everybody who sees Remy just says, oh my God, what a carbon copy of Simon. Yeah. So I have this like photo on my phone of me at Remy's age. And sometimes I whip it out to be like, oh, and he looks like me too. You know, like it's kind of funny. Because yeah. I want people to see me as well. I can see you in his eyes. Does it? And I've only seen him through photos, but beautiful big eyes, which you have. Yeah, and he's got the brown eyes, the dark brown eyes like me as well. So I think mm. that helps. And he's turning really blonde at the moment, which I was and still am. So I feel like, feel like it's coming through. <laughs> so gorgeous. Did you always feel a pull towards motherhood? No, I don't think so. Um, <clears throat> I think that I just, wasn't ready for a really long time and was really comfortable with that. I never felt like pressured to to feel a maternal instinct. And then I think it turned to me like very quickly, maybe about three years ago, I started kind of looking at babies thinking, oh my gosh, I I wonder if if that might be my next step kind of thing. Um, I've been with Simon for about six or seven years. And I remember kind of just making jokes, slowly bringing it in like, ah, isn't that really cute? Maybe we should think about a family. Oh, look how cute that baby is. Oh. <laughs> those, those kind of things. Um, and then I think I got really serious about it uh, when I got engaged to Simon. I started saying, hey, I really think that I want to have a baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's where it all kind of kicked off. Can you tell the listeners about your conception journey, Amber? And did you have any difficulties conceiving? Well, uh, yeah, a little bit, actually. So um, I had just always assumed that it would be really easy for me to fall pregnant. And I think that's because um, when you're young, you're kind of always a bit frightened of falling pregnant before you're ready. Um, So Simon and I started trying just after our wedding. We thought that would be the right time. And for six months, nothing came up. And I was pretty serious from day dot. So I was tracking my ovulation from the start. And to be honest, each month when I wasn't pregnant, I started to feel a bit disheartened and a bit Mm. anxious. And what I found really hard is that the doctors were saying to you, when I went to the doctor, he was kind of saying, relax, like don't 
don't work yourself up. So that's a really um, hard thing to say to somebody who's really focused on something that's not being achieved, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And I think that can be quite empty advice because mm-hmm. for starters, you're anxious about something. So it's really hard to relax. And I think sort of guiding them the woman into sort of ways they can relax is a much more helpful um, way of looking at things. I think often that one liner of just relax is advice and thrown. Yeah. I don't find it really unhelpful. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I totally agree. And then it's funny because um, when we got to about the six months, we were going on our honeymoon, so I said, no way, let's not let's not try now. Let's just um, pick up where we left off when we came back. And, of course, a week into my honeymoon, I found out that I was pregnant. <laughs> so it had been that time that I had to really let go. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is, you know, it's funny because the advice is really hard to take at the time, but it turns out that when I really um, relaxed and stopped focusing so hard on it, that's when I fell. And I hear that story often that sort of moment of of letting go okay I'm not going to think about this anymore and that's when it happens and what a beautiful time to find out you were pregnant on your honeymoon it it was so special it really was it was really exciting I remember um he was going to die I think when he hears this but he made me take I think we did four tests because he just was like yeah it's not not dark enough I'm just yeah we'll take another one we'll just make sure and I think we were just giddy we were just like in disbelief and so excited. When you found out you were pregnant, were you feeling any symptoms or how did you feel throughout your first trimester? Yeah, I felt nauseous a lot. I didn't feel any at that time. I checked because I had been a day late um, and I'm pretty regular with my period. So I had been like, oh no, this could be the time, you know, like, um, and then it was. I, I think because I was traveling as well, it was really difficult because we're in the car a bit, mm-hmm. we're in America, flying. Um, it was quite a high energy honeymoon that we planned and I was feeling quite low energy. So mm-hmm. I think it might have made it um, exacerbated a little bit. But uh, the other thing is you just feel so excited. So you're kind of a bit giddy and nauseous anyway, just from pure excitement. Yeah. Once you arrived back home, what model of care did you go for and did you do any classes to prepare? Yes, we did. Um, we went for we went to my GP until it was time to switch over to using the midwife, and then we just used midwife. And we did the birthing classes in terms of the ones at the hospital. Um, and other than that, we didn't actually do any um, coaching classes. We just we did a lot of reading actually. Um, the birthing class or the birth class, I guess, about um, having a new baby was so helpful. Though, like I just I went in there feeling so um, unsure and just a bit nervous and left feeling a little bit more prepared, I think, which was really good. Um, And I found that what they gave us is just really good practical advice, you know, like, here's how to pick your baby up, here's how to wrap it, here's how to do a nappy. Things that seem to be like you would know um, easily, but when you've never handled babies before, you just don't know those things. (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And... I um, just think it's so fantastic getting those, as you said, those really basic skills, swaddling and picking up that you think, oh, yeah, 
like I'll know how to do that. But when it comes to the time, it's kind of like, oh, gulp. Like I, these these things are tricky. It doesn't necessarily come naturally. So no, yeah, that's that's exactly what I found, and um, it kind of got the ball rolling for me for trying to prepare mm-hmm. and feeling prepared because I think. Um, other journeys might be that um, if people have been around little babies or maybe their family have had little babies or something, but I I actually had, I don't think I'd even handle the baby um, for longer than a few seconds, ever. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeling particularly unprepared. Yeah. And what hospital was that at, Amber? I started my care at RPA in Sydney, but I actually moved to Newcastle halfway through my pregnancy, so finished my care in at the John Hunter in Newcastle. Oh, lovely. And did you have any books in particular that you would recommend that you found really helpful? Yeah, um, I read Hypnoda, which I thought was really helpful. It gave me some meditation and relaxation techniques to use with Simon. And it also had a lot of breathing techniques. And overall, it's a really empowering book. It's about um, knowing that your body can actually deliver a baby. And yeah, it's really uplifting for you in terms of it speaks about your voice and, and how to find it and making sure that you're really clear about what you want when you come to the act of giving birth, which um, I think that's really important when you've, when you've never done something because um, when you feel a little bit unqualified or unsure, it's, mm. it's sometimes difficult to find your voice and, and to use it. And it's an experience like no other, isn't it? So. <laughs> yeah, you can prepare all your life and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And was that book affiliated with the hypnobirth courses, do you know? It was, yeah, it is. I was, it was given to me from um, an aunt and she kind of just said that her um, last pregnancy, she used it and she went to the classes and she thought that it was um, made her birth a lot different and the way that she had envisioned them. So I was really interested in, in reading that. But um, that's basically the only book that I read. The rest of it, I just felt that I wanted to prepare in my own way, I think. Mm-hmm. And what about for breastfeeding, Amber? Was there anything you felt you needed to do to prepare for that? Was there any classes at your hospital? There were classes and I didn't get a chance to attend because I, um, that kind of middle period where I moved, um, I probably should have gone around then. And to be honest, um, I really should have gone to one because I think one of the most challenging parts of my journey was the breastfeeding. So we're at your second trimester now. I wondered if you could talk us through how you felt in your second trimester and your third trimester. My second trimester was amazing. I just felt like I was feeling the best I'd felt in my life. I felt so excited and connected with my my growing belly. and I just felt like I was really, really happy a lot of the time. All the sickness had passed. And it was all starting to happen and obviously people were noticing and congratulating and saying how radiant you look and I just felt it. Third trimester got a little hard because Bram was quite big uh, and I think he showed big the whole time and I remember um, just being huge actually. (laughs) Um, And at about the 35th week we ran into, uh, we were just run into a um, routine check and the nurse said that she couldn't locate his head down in the pelvis anymore and she was like oh I think we might have a breech baby which was news to me and Simon because he had been head down I think some since they can kind of check so that started us on a little bit of a different path than we had imagined we went and got a scan to confirm that he was breech and then next obviously we we got 
um, put into the breach clinic and we started to talk about my options in getting birth and what might happen around that. Um, I decided that I wanted to still give a vaginal birth and so we chatted about all of the options to turn Remy. Uh, Simo and I went down the path of acupuncture and um, I think it's called moxibustion where you kind of light these incense sticks and um, hold them near pressure points and this can help to turn the baby. Um, unfortunately, they didn't work for us though, so we ended up going in for what's called an ECV, which was a bit of a scary thing for us actually because in the books I was reading and a lot of the natural practitioners that I was using or taking my advice from were back down on an ECV. They didn't like the idea of, of turning the baby like that. I ended up going in for it and I remember when we turned up to the hospital, I kept thinking, I can pull out, I can still pull out, I don't have to do this kind of thing. But the nurse or the doctor actually who performed it was so gentle and her um, persona was just so calming that I kind of got there and thought, actually, this feels quite right. And when she performed the procedure, it was quite painful, but she said that she gave a small push and then he kind of kicked around, like he helped himself into the right position. I felt like that was kind of a sign that it was okay to do and it, it was the right thing to do. Yeah, so it wasn't that feeling of going against what he wanted and he was really Not comfortable in the breech position. He was quite happy to turn around. That's great. Yeah, it was really lucky. Although following that the next week or so, maybe next two weeks, I went up to the hospital, I think, three times to be monitored because they they kind of really frighten you a little bit about um less movement after an ECV. They want you to be really onto that. Okay. And I'm not sure if I I think I was a bit pedantic but I was worried that there was less fetal movement. So we had three times that we went up and just got monitored for an hour and they confirmed that all was going well. They they felt enough movement and they were quite happy. And they're so Mm -hmm. fantastic at hospitals in that way. If you've ever got any concerns, they'll always want you to come in and just get checked. And it's so fantastic to feel that support in, even if it is just something that you're feeling, you know, a little bit worried about as you would after an ECV and if it's something that they've spoken to you about it's really fantastic that they're there just to give you that reassurance. Yeah definitely I felt that they took really good care of me in those moments when I was feeling pretty anxious. So after the ECV did you have any symptoms in terms of cramping or was it just everything went back to uh, how you were feeling beforehand. Aside from the um, less fetal movement, I feel that it was on par with how I'd been leading up. I didn't really get too many vaccinates or um, cramps right until the end, actually. That's so amazing that you can turn your baby like that and everything just sort of pops back into place. It's incredible. And so you mentioned those Braxton Hicks. Could you please talk us through the later stages of your pregnancy and when you started to feel some symptoms that were indicating labour was starting? I think I had my first experience of real Braxton Hicks um, about 30, that week, 39. And I, I remember I was out for a walk and I came home before time and I said, we're on, this is it, we're doing it. <laughs> and, and he came home and then they kind of stopped and I was like to him, oh, oh, <laughs> that's um, And then... It wasn't um, until a week and a half later that I actually went into labor, but in between that, on the day after my due date, I actually had a stretching sleep. Okay. Um, and I had talked to my doctor about that a lot because I was I felt really big. I had a very super big belly and a 
pretty big baby as well. So um, I had kind of been a bit like, oh, it's summer, it's hot, that's really big and a bit uncomfortable. Do you think I'm going to go on the due date kind of a bit anxious like that? And he had just said to me, look, let's wait till after your due date, but, you know, we can do something like a stretch and sleep and we can help you along a little bit in that way. So I was keen. I was ready. I went in um, two days after my due date, actually, and they did the, he did the stretch and sleep, which I found quite uncomfortable, but it was quite successful. And what um, symptoms did you feel after the stretch and sleep? There was a lot of bleeding. I was really mm-hmm. confronted by the bleeding. Yeah. When the doctor... Um, removed his hand he had a white glove and I remember seeing all the blood and I felt really like oh god have I done the right thing but um he said that I was already two centimeters dilated and he felt that um everything was really good and no problem and he kind of cleaned up and said this is all normal please don't feel uh scared about that and I, I guess I just really trusted him he I'd been in the breach clinic with him for I don't know five weeks or so and I just was like okay no problem we went home. I didn't feel too crampy or anything. It was back to normal, actually, which, again, I was like, oh, come on, baby, where are you? Kind of thing, feeling a little bit excited and a little bit anxious. Once you pass that due date, I think those feelings come pretty quick. Yeah. The day that I actually went into labor, I'd gone for this huge long walk and family had, Sean and I had had sex. And I think there was actually some family there in the daytime. Um, so it was quite a jam-packed, busy day, and I was really distracted all day. I remember it got to about 8 o'clock in the evening and I said to my mum, was a support person, he came into the birth with me and my sister Jackie was there. I said, I just feel a little bit sick. I'm just going to go for a little walk around the house. But I think that pizza we had just made me feel a little bit sick. And I just remember this so clearly. My mum was like, mm-hmm, yep, yeah, sure. And she went into her room and came back with this packed bag, all dressed, like, you know. <laughs> and I was like, to my mum, I'm just, you know, all I said is I feel a bit sick. And she was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> she knew mother's intuition she had the twinkle in her eye yeah. she just knew yeah and <laughs> I, I took that really quickly into into contractions after that I I hopped in the shower and I hopped up in and out of the shower maybe three or four times like I'd get out and say no I feel okay and then no I don't I hop back in and then it was at the point where my mum said I think we're going to need to run the bath and going to use the hot water and I think this might be it and that's when I kind of realized that it has died. So I labored in the bath at home. I just have always felt that hot water makes, like the bath is where I go when I have pain, whether it be physical or emotional or mental. I think that's just a way that I've always dealt with feeling a little bit off. So I was really keen to run the bath at home. And I also had was saying, I think, to my support people, when we get there, I want the bath. I want, you know, I really want, I want to labor in the bath at the hospital too. I had that in my mind already. Uh, Jackie timed contractions and I kind of just laid in the bath with um, Simon at my head and my mouth at my, my legs and belly. And I just kind of rocked through the ones at home. I, it was funny. I didn't really know how I was going to deal with them, but I just found that being in that hot water and, and rocking the bath was a really good distraction for me. And I think when we got to about five minutes in between each contraction, I, I called it and said, I think it's time to go up to the hospital. And that, that then was about 11 o'clock in the night. So we headed up to John Hunt's up. When we got there, I, I was kind of feeling a bit excited, a bit nervous. Obviously, contractions were painful, so I was feeling a bit worried about that as well. And they actually couldn't admit us straight to the birth suite. They wanted to put me in an observation room and just check me out beforehand, which, to be honest, I think I found 
um, wasn't really very helpful, like, to get mm-hmm. there and then to kind of stall the process for me. It actually was the beginning of, of something that overarched my birth, which was me kind of proving to nurses that I was in labor. They took me into the observation room um, and checked, and I think I was four centimeters. And they were kind of like, look, this is a place where we could send you home or we could admit you. We're just going to watch you for a little while. They didn't have a bath in that room, so I turned the hot shower on and I just, um, I just sat on the floor of the shower in kind of um, on my knees, just with it on my back. Simon actually helped him with me and he held the shower on my back and we just had to wait for them to come and admit me, which um, I think it was okay because I had the shower and my support people, but I also felt a bit like, why aren't you letting me go to where I want to go, if that makes sense, which was hard. And I and I felt, I actually loved Jackie for this. She had this recorded like times of all my contractions and she kind of was saying to the nurse, they are increasing, look at this, look at these times. But she didn't really, this nurse wasn't really that interested yet. And I think her observation for me was I was quite quiet. And she was like, look, yeah, yeah, we're going to get the suite ready. We're just we're just going to watch her a bit longer. I think I stayed there for an hour. I asked again and again to please go to the birth suite. And at one point, um, the nurse came in and said, yeah, we're going to take you over. So I felt really good at that point. That was exciting to me to go to the room that I had seen, that I had a vision myself in. I was, I was ready. So we headed over there, which is another part of the hospital. So that journey wasn't very fun. I was had to put my dress back on and carry the, everyone's carrying the bags and I had to walk, which I was finding really hard to do. On arrival, I met my really beautiful nurse and she already had the top full and hot. So I was straight in. <laughs> Immediate. Um, <clears throat> in the bath, um, I think the injections really started to be quite intense in there. And um, that's when I kind of started to pull all the tricks out of my bag, I feel, um, that I had prepared for myself. So rocking and moaning through every contraction was really important to me. And I'm not even really sure why. I think it was something I could control and do that was my own in a really um, frightening, uncontrolled situation. So mm. as I'd feel the contraction approach, I'd be like, okay, I start. And the rocking side to side, gripping onto the bath, and then the humming and kind of moaning in this really quite rhythmic way. And then as it subsided, I would get some rest, which I thought was, um, I was actually really lucky in that way. I, I almost fell asleep between my contractions at this point. Simon also took me through a relaxation exercise that we had prepared, which was about relaxing the body. Um, and that was really nice as well. He was, he did a really great job there and he was so supportive and wonderful and soft. When I was in the bath with him doing that, using my techniques, I started to feel pretty good. I was like, I can do this. This is this is going to be okay. Um, at this point, however, the nurse actually approached the three of us and said to me, on observation, and I think that you're, you're in pre-labor, so you haven't actually entered, entered labor. And I remember looking at my mom and looking at Simon and just saying, what? you know, what? This this isn't it kind of thing. And, and she was really gentle and she was really lovely. But she said to me, yes, um, from observation, you're in pre-labor. I really think that you'll know when the contractions start and um, we're going to send you home. And oh, I can't even explain the words that I felt when I heard that because I had been feeling so supported in the bath. I was where I wanted to be. It was what I wanted and they were going to take it from me is what I felt. And I was just, I remember looking at mom and saying, can they make me? And mom was like, um, I think so, sweetheart. I think we have to go. And the nurse 
said to us, look, you can have a few minutes to talk about it, but, you know, I think it's time. And she left the room and came back. When she came back, she said, um, you could be a quiet achiever. And I remember those words so intently. You could be a quiet achiever. And I will have a look, but, okay, let's get you out of that box. And I hopped out and I looked at Simon and Mom and I was just like, please, no. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. She got me on the table and she did the observation. And she said to me, I'm so, so sorry, Amber. You are nice. But eight to nine centimeters dilated. You're going to have your baby. And I was like, get me back in that box. <laughs> I just was like, and, and I think what's really in reflection now, in hindsight, when I think about it, I knew it wasn't right to go home. I knew I was his neighbor. But it was, again, this moment where I, I felt it's really hard to find your voice and say something when you feel that when someone who's a practitioner or somebody who knows what they're doing or is supposed to know what they're doing is telling you something different, it's really difficult to stand up and be like, I think you're wrong. I just can't imagine what that would have felt like, eight to nine centimetres, you're either in transition or very close to, to have that sort of disruption, to be told that you have to change environments. And as you said, she was a very gentle person. I'm sure she was coming from a good place. But you can imagine that they would experience an array of different ways that women deal with labour. Yeah, I actually did think about that later and I felt a little bit like, um, I felt conflicted in the end because her getting out of the bath actually kind of, I think, sparked that transition stage that you're talking about because she said to me, I can feel the waters literally about to, like, they're right there and your baby's head is pushing, you know, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of quite intense contractions while standing and doing all of this that she, she kind of made me do. So funnily enough, the next contraction I had in the bath, Simon was at my shoulders and my mum was at my feet and she just saw all the waters rush out and she said, that was them, that's the waters. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the, everything kind of changed after that, to be honest. I, I think the feeling was different. I sat, I know that I sat in the bath on my knees um, and didn't do the previous coping mechanisms I'd been using. I think I was silent for maybe three, four or five contractions, but I just felt really silent and really focused. And I remember all three of them going, Amber, are you okay? You, are you okay? Because I just wasn't moving. I was just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think something really weird happened for me there where I felt the most focused and the most empowered of all of the labor. But it was also the moment when I looked up and looked at my mum and said, help me. I need your help. Help me. And she said that she just was like a little bit frightened for me because I had changed so drastically. And I was like a bit in despair as well as empowered. Does that make sense? Like I felt both. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And that feeling of going through t- transition is so overwhelming. Yes, I was really overwhelmed. That's a good way to put it. And I think because I knew now that it was all happening, it was it was a good way um, to encourage me to kind of, I started, Simon reminded me to use some visualization. He was like, how about you think, you know, visualize yourself opening up and the baby coming down. And so I started doing that. And I don't think that it was a very long time my transition time I think it was quite quickly to a point where I started to say I feel like I need to go to the toilet and I feel a bit panicked and my mom my, the nurse took a really a bit of a back seat here which I quite would appreciate though she really didn't interact much she let me use my mom and my husband more as the people feeding the information and I remember mom was like you know yep 
yeah, ma'am, but that means you're going to have your baby. You need to, that, that's okay, that's okay, you're going to have a baby. And I think at this point, I laid on my back in the bath, so sitting, but also leaning back. And, and I started to say, I think I need to push. And the nurse um, just stuck a mirror down into the bath. She didn't make me get out or anything. And she just said, yep, I think you're right. Then it got a little bit more complicated as I think, as his head started to come down, I probably crowned three or four times. And I think each time that I got a little bit closer, the nurse was feeling a little bit, I could feel her um, starting to feel like it was taking too long maybe, or that um, after the fourth crown, like I really, I, it needed to happen quicker. At this point, uh, they turned me around onto my knees and they kind of gave me a little bit of a, Amber, if you don't, if you don't get it this time, we might have to talk about getting you out of the box. And that was that was the inspiration I needed. I just gripped my husband and I let out a roar. I don't even know what the noise was, to be honest. And I just used everything in me to push to push his head out and it worked. And I was just, yeah, it was really great actually. And um, I think that position of being on my knees and using using my body in a different way helped. It gave me that strength to just kind of hit that and, and push his head out and then they gave me this, this nice rest moment I turned back around and I lay there knowing that you know I guess in my own mind the hard part was done and then I was ready to, to push his body out um I felt that his body came out much more easily and then that was that was when nurse pulled out my baby and said this is your baby <laughs> what a beautiful story in terms of trusting your body I really did. I think I had, you know, I had everything go quite well for me, which was obviously really helpful. But I, I had this overwhelming feeling that I could do it. And I, I think that really hit me when the transition started. I, I just felt focused and I felt like I'm going to die. I felt empowered. It's a gorgeous story, Amber. It's giving me goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I felt a little teary a couple of times saying it actually it's really nice. And so how <laughs> did your placenta come out? They gave them to me in the bath, forcing skin to skin, and then um, we did delayed cord clamping as much as we could. We only did it for 10 minutes, I think, um, before I needed to get out. I think they just wanted me out by then to have a look at me. So they passed me over to Simon for some skin to skin to get me onto the table, and that's where my nurse helped me birth to placenta. She was really gentle. She was really good. She just kind of put her hands around. She said to me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you birth your placenta now. Are you ready? And by this stage, I think they'd actually given them back to me. So at that stage, I didn't. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Do what you need to do. Mm. I, I feel like I didn't really give much help. I feel like she really did that herself. And I was just besotted, just kind of staring at my baby. Yeah, the oxytocin was flowing. and Yes. <laughs> yeah. Such a great yeah. sort of natural pain relief and distraction. Yeah. Yes, that's all I needed. I, um, although I did have a clot. That had to be birthed as well that I didn't know about and obviously she didn't know that and that was a lot more painful actually I would say that was one of the most painful experiences of the whole deal because my stomach was so tender and she had to push really hard to get it out um, and in that moment I think I actually said to her something along the lines of stop and, and get off me I really just was I was quite done then, I think. I really was fed up. I was feeling tender and I was feeling so happy in this beautiful moment. And I just didn't want her to do that to me at that point, even though she knew she had to and I probably did as well. I just, I didn't want her to touch me anymore. So when she did push that clot out, we both kind of 
um, she did it and then she just stood right back for me because I think it's mm. when I was like, get away. <laughs> um, and how wonderful is, she respected yeah. that. She did. She was absolutely amazing. She really, she just, she just stepped back and, and just left me there. The clock was gone then. She just left me there with my baby and I was like, that's where I needed to be and that's where I wanted to be. And how was the first breastfeed with Remy? Yeah, it was actually beautiful. I It was, it was just, I couldn't believe I had my baby, you know. It mm. was it was incredible. And I remember thinking to myself, this is my purpose. This is where I should be. This is everything. When they put him onto my breast, I had always been obsessively looking forward to breastfeeding. I just kind of couldn't wait. And I just remember a bit being a bit awestruck at him as he sat there, or laid there across me, um, and breastfed, I just felt euphoria, really. And it was it was kind of really interesting mix too because I was exhausted, obviously, very tired, very tender, very sore. And as I as I fed him, and then subsequently as as he kind of came off and um, went to Simon and my mum and Jackie was back to have a hold. I remember feeling, looking at him and looking at them, and feeling like I was the only person in the world who would be able to calm him. I'm feeling like, sure, I have a hold of my baby, but he needs to be here with me and, and I want him here with me. And this kind of almost protective, but euphoric feeling about my connection with him. Yeah, absolutely. You're the nurturer. And those initial stages are, are so powerful. And I think yeah. that sort of any disturbance can spark those feelings in you of the mother bear coming out and... Yeah, I think they gave me skin to skin for him with him for oh, hours and hours. I I want to say it was five or six hours before they even asked if they could do um, hill cooking or or any of the kind of checks they need to do. That's so incredible. It was a really long time. Yeah, it was a really long time. And in between that, I let him go for holds with my family, but I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't asked to give him to any nurses, which I really thought was really good. What's the rush in? doing those things so quickly and when really the mother just wants to hold the baby and soak it up. So that's really beautiful that they gave you that time and that space. Yeah, I, I can't talk um, highly enough about how I was treated. I mean, there was that moment in the middle where they kind of weren't, didn't believe me that I was a neighbour, but once I kind of had my voice and they realised that I was, they, they just did everything really, really beautifully and respectfully and I and I appreciated that a lot actually yeah and what was yeah. your experience postpartum as a new mama can you talk us through if there was any complications there in the first three months yeah for sure my journey postpartum was probably my most difficult and challenging after this you know really beautiful birth that I, I think back on in this, this really lovely way um, Remy and I had a lot of trouble breastfeeding and a lot of trouble latching. He was a really big baby. He was, uh, well, not really big, but he was nearly four kilos, 3.9. And he just was insatiable. He wanted to feed hourly, nearly from the first day. So that was a lot for me. And we hadn't worked out our latch very well. So <clears throat> I remember feeling to myself, wow, this is really intense. This is a lot. This is okay, okay. Um, and I had a lot of nurses come in and talk with me about the latch because I was saying that I wasn't quite sure that we had it right. I remember at one point he had woken, I was in a ward with three other women and he had woken like many, many times and other babies I don't think were breastfeeding and they were sleeping quite soundly. And they asked me actually to go and feed in visitors 
um, away from the other women so they could sleep. And I remember getting there and I'd just done it and I was so tired. And I remember laying there thinking, sitting there in the hard chair with my baby feeling simultaneously like I'd do anything for him. And this is so lonely. I'm by myself in the visitor's room feeling quite let down maybe or just like a bit, yeah, lonely and a bit scared. And then when we actually did go home, we were home for two or three days, I think, when a midwife came to check up on me and and she kind of confirmed all the feelings that I'd been having that was there was something really wrong and, and my nipples were bleeding and cracked and the pain was excruciating, but I just thought that that was normal. I just thought that you had to go through that in order to find a latch of your baby and that part of it was discomfort. But it was a really confronting moment for me when I um, spoke to this nurse and she said that she was readmitting me back to hospital and, and she was like, it's okay for you to admit that there's something very wrong happening here. And I just broke down. I was like, is there? I knew it. There's something wrong. And so we went back to the hospital for some rest and express time. And and this time they actually let me have a room with Simon, but he was allowed to stay. They gave us a private room, which was really um, generous in a public hospital system. And we rested and expressed, and, and then we fed Remy through a um, cup, the cup and spoon. And I breastfed there, but I also had all of the care available to me, including um like release from my nipples, clinging, people watching every time, um, help to latch, help to unlatch. And um, that was really important to me. But it was also the beginning of a challenging journey for me, which was going against what practitioners say and following my intuition again, because um, that's when they started to talk about really possibly having a tongue tie. So a slight problem with his tongue that might not enable him to latch properly with me. Our journey from there was we left hospital for the second time and went home and then we had um, some follow-up appointments with some nurses and they kind of let us, made us feel like he had this, this problem that we needed to urgently fix. So we went to a few specialists. We spoke to three or four practitioners and they're all kind of really eager to say, look, you can't see it very much and it's posterior, so it's at the back that he has this tongue tie, this issue with his tongue which they then wanted me to do an operation where they release it without anesthetic when he's awake with the surgical scissors. And I just I just was looking at them saying, I don't think it's there. You know, I can't see what you're telling me to see and I just don't feel right about this. I'm, I'm really, really, really struggling with this. But I also had the pain of the breastfeeding was, was really painful at that time because my nipples were still healing and still coming back from being cracked and bleeding. Yeah, anyway, we, we ended up leaving our appointment to have it released, going home, cuddling together and kind of going, this is scary, but I think we should, I think we should not do it. Um, and it wasn't until a friend of mine reached out and said that she thought she'd heard I'd been having a problem and suggested this other practitioner to go and see, which we then did. And she was amazing. And she stood by me and said, if you don't think it needs to happen, it doesn't, Amber. I think that if it's there, it's really minor, this tongue tie. And I think that you and Mommy can do this. You guys can feed. And I remember being like, yes, I think we can too. I think we can. And it probably took two or three weeks more for me to get into a rhythm and begin to start to really enjoy it. But we worked through it. And I'm still to this day really proud of the way the way that we worked each other out and we stuck with it and we supported each other and we got there in the end. What an, an amazing story about trusting your own instincts through your labour and through your postpartum period and, and breastfeeding, just that overarching theme there is 
you trusting your body and yeah it's it's really empowering when I think of it now and I'm still really proud and happy but it was a really dark I actually Mm. am tearing up a little bit now talking about it because that was really really hard time yeah feeling like so unqualified but also the only person qualified to make these decisions for your child like it was oh I just remember the pain and feeling so like I was in the dark just kind of wandering around but then also the light in me was saying no do what you think is right and but don't you don't have to listen to this you know you know don't jump into doing what these people are saying because I could tell that it was wrong um but it's a really lonely place to be at and you're a new mom you're not sure and you're not believing um the people who are set up to support you it's quite tough it was quite tough <laughs> yeah I'm just in awe of you, Amber. I really am. I can imagine how hard it would have been to turn away mm-hmm. from those professionals and trust that instinct of yours. And I, I'm just so impressed, and I'm, I'm so glad that you did trust that instinct. Yeah, thank you. I, I feel, I feel the same. I feel really, um, I feel really proud about that, that point in my journey. But um, again, yeah, I just, oh, I, it was really lonely and really scary as well. And I think that um one of the big things in giving birth is that finding the right person and finding the right path for you, it doesn't just show itself easily sometimes. Like you really have to be there and be be part of it and trust yourself, um, even when it feels like a very daunting, scary path to take. (laughs) Could you share with us your thoughts and feelings and your experience about motherhood now? How your days feel with Remy? Well, now I feel like I can't remember my life before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just feel, um, I feel in awe of who he is every single day. And I feel just, when I look at him, I can't believe that he is my greatest achievement. And he is just the most beautiful little person that, you know, in the world, of course, everyone feels that way about their babies. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. he and I, it's this journey of um, him challenging me each day and to, to try new things, to do new things, to to make the day interesting and fun for him and and soaking up those moments where maybe, for example, a new skill will happen or um, something will change and I'll just be thinking, how incredible are you? I can't believe you're doing this. Mm-hmm. Our day usually is um, just filled with like fun, fun things and activities. I try to make sure that we get outside a lot, we go to the beach, we enjoy the natural elements and we just have fun. Because I think another thing that I've experienced as a mom is milestone checking can be a really scary and dangerous place. Yeah, yeah. Remy hasn't hit many of his physical milestones at the time that they've been suggested. And I think that um, it took me a long time to put that to rest and, and not think about it or worry about it or stress it or look at it. And that's why there's a lot of focus in our day on allowing him to show me when he's ready to, to do new things. So that's, yeah, that's a big part of, of how we're kind of tracking at the moment is taking our time, slowing down a little bit and allowing him to, to, to do new things when he's ready. I couldn't agree with that more. I think there's so much emphasis on, and especially because we have information so readily available to us with Google and apps and mm-hmm. the Wonder Weeks app, for example, and I think that that can spark a lot of worry in, in parents. And Yes, I, that particular app I've deleted and it, yeah. was, it was a source of fuel anxiety. Yeah. I just 
Yeah, I'm, it's so interesting that you mentioned that one particularly because I really found that a big challenge. Like you know, when it wasn't a storm and he was, was not okay, I was like, oh, is there something wrong? And then seeing a storm coming up, I would be like, oh, it's going to be bad. You know, like it was not, <laughs> it was not good. Yeah, and our babies aren't cardboard cutouts. Thank you so much, Amber, for sharing your story with us. I'm I'm feeling teary. I'm feeling so humbled <laughs> by your honesty and how transparent you've been with the listeners. And I'm just in awe of all the women I've chatted with and just their openness in this project. So thank you so much for being a part of that. No, thank you for having me. I've actually really enjoyed opening up and I feel... Yeah, I feel really excited about that. It's been really therapeutic for me, I think. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening to Amber's story. I'll be bringing you fortnightly sessions every second Wednesday and you can follow along at The Birth Library on both Facebook and Instagram. If you have a birth experience yourself that you'd like to share, I would love to hear from you.